And let's go into the book of Daniel. We started Daniel three weeks ago. This will be the fourth lesson, lesson number four. And the rate we're going, we'll never get through with it. And But I want to look at it. I, I like studying the Scriptures verse by verse and book by book because you can cover about every subject under the sun. If you take a verse by verse study in the Bible, you can sure prove that the preacher ain't trying his best to pick at any particular subject, but just whatever subject comes up. And if preachers have preached more of that today, I, it took me a long time to learn this, but if preachers have preached more of the books of the Bible in their church, verse by verse, everybody would know something about the Bible. But if you look at it, most preachers are preaching basically the same things all the time, and that's getting us in trouble. So God has touched my heart with those things, and I here tonight to try to help you. My job is to help you, to show you the truth. Amen. And I pray that God might learn you and teach you. You'll have to study. You'll have to accept it. You'll have to believe it to be able to get it. But I pray God will help us. So we're going tonight in Daniel chapter number 1. And we're going to start at verse number 1 again. And we're going to read down through verse number 3. And then I'll kind of get us up to par where we have been. And then we'll break in on verse number 3 and go from there. And I pray that the Lord might bless us. He says in uh, Daniel chapter number 1, let's stand. I want you to stand and reverence the Word of God tonight. The Bible said in Daniel chapter number 1 and verse number 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, we studied one lesson on that the first night that we started this. Verse number two, we got a couple of messages out of that. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. You can be seated and we'll pray there and then we'll bring the message tonight. And I pray that God will help you uh, to take the notes and get this and accept it. And I'll guarantee you ain't heard message on this before in your life probably. Amen. But I'm going to preach it tonight. God put it on my heart to do, and here it is. Let's pray. Uh, Father, help us as we look at the Word. I pray that our minds might be drawn close to you. I pray you'd open our mind that we'd, first of all, comprehend it and hear it. And Lord, if you don't get it on our mind, it'll get to our heart. So I pray God you'd touch our mind and then put it there, apply it to our heart, and then Lord, we hear it, it don't do much good unless we go out and live it. And I pray when we walk out the door, we'll take these thoughts into hand. Lord, I pray you speak to us for spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. That, Lord, we can know what you have to say. And, Lord, that we'll know the truth of God. And, Lord, we wouldn't put it asunder and throw it away. But, God, we'll take it to our heart. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And we commit it all to you. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Daniel 1 1. I was going to break this verse down for you. On, this is kind of a backup. Uh, the kingdom is being taken over. The kingdom of 
Judah and Jerusalem is being taken over. And we find that the uh, God of heaven is authoring it. And God uh, sits uh, Jehoiakim down. And he raises up uh, Nebuchadnezzar in his place. And he replaces him with King Nebuchadnezzar. Jehoiakim's over. He's done. He's a weak king, and he's replaced by a stronger king. Nebuchadnezzar is known as one of the strongest Babylonian kings. And we find that both of these are evil kings, but the evil king Jehoiakim is replaced by a more wicked king. If you'll study the scriptures and you look at it, you'll see it. We find that here's a transgressing people, the, the people of God. Now, they've, they've forsaken God. They've dishonored the word. They've forgotten the word. They've forsaken the word. We talked about that last week about the Sabbath. Because they didn't keep the Sabbath like they're supposed to, God put, put them in a 70-year place of Babylonian captivity. So we got that and see it. Now this transgressing people now is being taken over and uh, they're taken in, really going to a godless land. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon is a godless land. And uh, they're coming out of a land that's forsaken God and they're going uh, under a godless king, if you will. And you say, why in the world would that happen? Look like God. Well, God wants us to have it right. God don't want America where it's at tonight. Can I tell you that again? God don't want America where it's at. Matter of fact, God had nothing to do with putting it where it's at. Except allowing the devil to bring in the things that we have rejected. Because we rejected it. And so that's why we're under the problems we have. A lot of people don't see that, won't accept it if you tell them. But that's what's happened. Now, God's people and their land has been taken and besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. That's verse 1. Verse 2 is a backup and a kind of a refresh. The Lord gave King Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. God can do that. God has done it many times. God is doing it today. God sits down kings and raises up kings. God can bless you today and blister you tomorrow. But He don't just do it because He wants to do it. He'll have a purpose and a reason. I won't get into those things tonight. But we'll see tonight that the, they're in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar now. And then with part of the vessels of the house of God, he's took it, taken over, Nebuchadnezzar has, what the people of God needed for the house of their God, the Lord. And now they don't have that to even worship. Well, they've forsaken God. Why would they need them? God sees that. And I'm sure they tore, got tore up and tore all to pieces because the vessels was taken. But they allowed that. They lived a life. You know, we, we have a lot of things in America we've lost. We'll never gain back. And it's not because uh, the evil is so evil. It's because the restraining force of God's people and the Holy Ghost don't work. And when the restraining... Listen, that's the only restraining force we have in the world is the Holy Spirit through the church. We're the body of Christ. And so we have to be uh, at the place of being right. And God will work everything according to His people. He's not, he's not putting the judgment of God, uh, particularly on people that are lost and undone. 
He's bringing a lot of it to the people of God today because we have forsaken. They couldn't do that if we was taking our stand like we ought to take tonight. Now, let's go on, and we'll see uh, another thing or two out of this verse number two. Now, Nebuchadnezzar carried uh, his these vessels that God needed and wanted to use, and he carries them down uh, to, to uh, Shinar, where his God is. And he's taken it to the house of his God, which is probably Baal or Merodach, but I, I particularly believe it's one, Merodach, and, uh, because the reason I say that is in verse number uh, two, the last word is God. It don't say take it down to the house of his gods. It's one God. So he's taking it to one God. And then it, we'll find this at uh, those treasure, they were put in the treasure house. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's treasure house was in the house of his God. Amen. And everybody's got gods to some extent or another. You said, no, I ain't got no gods. Better search your heart. Things that we don't look at as gods are gods. If anything takes your attention away from the Lord and study the Word of God and prayer and witnessing for the Lord and living right, it's a God. I don't care what it is. Amen. And uh, it could be a thought in your mind, but I'm telling you, it's a God. Now, we get to verse 3. We're going to look at something different. In verse 3, he said, And the king, who? Nebuchadnezzar. You've got to distinguish what king it is in verse 3. Now, Jehoiakim is still the king, and he's taken into captivity, but he's no longer in authority. So now Nebuchadnezzar's calling the shots. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, and Ashpenaz is the only time it's mentioned, or that word or that name is mentioned is in this verse, one time. And the Bible said he's the master of his eunuchs. He's the master of Nebuchadnezzar's eunuchs. And uh, that's a word that's not mentioned much. That's a reason, that's a word I've never heard a preacher preach on in my life. I've heard him mention it. I've heard him talk about the eunuch from Ethiopia, and we may take that tonight, out of the book of Acts. But uh, people don't know what these are. And uh, somebody said, well, I wouldn't mention them words in the house of God. Well, you can't preach the word of God without preaching the word of God. Amen. And uh, I'll show you tonight why I do it, why I'm going to break that down tonight. And he said, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs. Now you got a eunuch and a eunuchs, or it's just singular and plural, that's all it is. And uh, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Now what's happened? They're in Babylonian captivity now. And so Nebuchadnezzar speaking to the Master of the eunuchs. He's the one that's in charge. We find that there's a prince of the eunuchs. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Just to show you that Daniel's not out of line. The word eunuchs is mentioned in verse 3, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, and uh, verse number 18. So it's not a word that you whisper under your breath. It's in the Word of God. So you preach it. All right. I, I like this. If you, you better make sure you've got a King James Bible to figure all this out. 
Because I looked it up just to see. See, that's why people uh, wouldn't believe what I'm trying to say tonight is because their versions won't have it. I just looked up in particular since I put the book out against uh, the NIV. Uh, this same verse in the NIV says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court. He says he's a master over there. There's a little difference between a master and a chief. I'll explain that sometime or another, not tonight. Uh, he said, of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Now that's a lot different than what our Bible reads. <clears throat> Nothing said about a eunuch in the NIV. You know why? The world don't want to talk about that. These translators don't want to give you the truth. Now, I believe you can get saved some of these, out of some of these versions, but you can't learn the Bible out of nothing but the King James. I found that out long before. I've got that settled in my mind. You're not going to shake me or move me around on that. Verse 3 has four statements. Got four statements in it. Number one, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, comma, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, comma, as two, and of the king's seed, comma, three, and of the princes. Now let's just kind of dissect this just a little bit. Now, the master means he's the head of the eunuchs. He's in charge of that department. What is a eunuch? We'll talk about it. He's the top dog of the, of the eunuchs. He's the one that's in charge. He's in control. He calls the shots. Belshazzar, I mean, Bel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has given him the authority. He's over them. I don't believe he deals with him anymore for a while. We'll find that later. But what he's doing is he's put him in charge. And he gives him his, his, his uh, orders of what to do. Now, I want us to look this up a minute. The word eunuch, E-U-N-U-C-H, is mentioned seven times in the Bible. And uh, we'll give you them in just a little bit. And uh, the word eunuchs with an S on it is mentioned 16 times. I'm going to look at a bunch of them tonight. We're not going to look at all of them. We're just going to watch them and look at this and try to get this fixed up. Now, the first thing I want to show you tonight, and we're going to skip that thought, and, and re reason tonight I don't have no problem preaching this or teaching it, is simply because Jesus used the same word. I'm going to tell you what it is in just a little bit. And Jesus tells me in one verse, and it's found, if you will, tonight in Matthew. Go to Matthew. In Matthew chapter number 19, and we're going to start reading tonight. Let me give you the verse that we'll read this to. Verse number 12. We're going to go back and get more of this in just a minute. Taking my time, I want you to get it. Matthew 19 and 12. These are the words of Jesus. Is it red lettered in yours? All right, that means Jesus spoke it. He said, for there are some eunuchs 
which were so born from their mother's womb. You got that? It's born that way. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs. And they did it for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Lord have mercy, preacher, I have overlooked those things. You know why preachers don't preach it? He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And one reason you don't particularly, I guess, think about it tonight is in the book of Daniel. And when you think of Daniel, you want to hear prophecy. Because Daniel is a prophetic book. But we want to get all the details. I'll read it again. For there are some eunuchs which were born, so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Now why did Jesus put this in there? It's not mentioned before that. It's mentioned here. Because it's on a subject. Now a eunuch is a man that is unable to bear children for some reason or another. He's sterile. Some are made that way, born that way. And some of them have chose to make themselves that way for the kingdom of heaven. It's men that cannot produce children. They don't have a problem with the opposite sex, neither, I guess, with, them, with, with the same sex. Now, somebody said, I wouldn't preach all that in the pulpit. Well, we're letting them teach our kids at school things that you wouldn't approve of. And Jesus preached this. So to get to more meaning and meaningful thing about it tonight, let's go to the 19th chapter and let's start at verse 3. And let's just get us ourselves a little commentary started. The Bible said the Pharisees, you know who the Pharisees were? They were the religious ones that could quote the law, dot the I's and cross the T's of the law. They could do just about all they could they memorized it. They put it in their, their garments. They quoted it to everybody. They wore it in their uh, threads as wearing. And they were always hypocrites. They, they, says they said they were something that they were not. They fasted. They prayed. They did all these things. But in verse 3, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. That's bad to tempt God. You know you tempt God every time you question him? You ask God, why, why, why? You're tempting God. If God says it, you don't need to argue with him. Just do it or go on about your business and pay the price if you don't. Amen. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for ever cause? That means for anything and everything. Is it? Don't have to answer that. That's what they ask. Now when they come up to God who has put man and woman together and made them one in the Lord, one, one person, 
two people made one body. I guess is the way I ought to say it. Made one. It didn't say particular body, but it said one. These two shall be one flesh. So he says, is it lawful, or these Pharisees did, the religious crowd, the people that's supposed to know, that didn't know, the people that could quote it backwards and forwards, but didn't know the Word of God. But they could quote it. We have the same thing going on in our country today. Marriage is one of the things tonight that uh, has turned God against many people in the world. Turned a nation. Amen. We don't have many here, so I, I'll say amen. Help you out. And he says, And saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put a... Now they've heard that. They've heard it was unlawful. They've had the commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You remember that? All right. Now here they are asking God, back up your word. You really mean that? They're tempting him. So let's look at verse number four. And I have no axe to grind. Matter of fact, my job is just to preach the word of God. And that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Amen. And uh, if you don't like it, you just have to pray my life don't last long. <laughs> Amen. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. And saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Could some of you not, do, do you know what the answer to that is right off? You don't have to say it. But is it, is it, is it okay, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for everything and anything? <laughs> I didn't write this book. And he answered and said unto them. And I always like it. He, he always answers the critics with the, with the word of God. I believe he's given us an example. And I believe he's given us an illustration. And he's given us some instruction. Out of all those three, he's saying, you answer people back with the word of God. That's why we need to study it. He said, have you not read... That he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. He's got them dead to right there. If there's anything at all, and any religious, unless they were what we call an atheist, they'd have to say, yeah, we believe that he created it, made it, and here we've got male and female. Can't argue with the Lord Jesus on that. And said... For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. In other words, a man takes a wife, he's, he's to leave his father and his mother, and he's to cleave to his wife. She's his property. But I want to go on the other side and say, uh, she's his property and he's her property. That's why he called you one. And he says here, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave, that means stay with, that means cling to, that means live with, that means don't forsake her. Are we right? 
If you don't believe that, look it up when you get home in your dictionary. To his wife. And they twain, that word is twain means two, shall be one flesh. Now, I'm not going to do it, but I could go to Genesis and give you these same verses. Maybe spoken a different way, but God Almighty. Now, we're talking about what it was when God made man in the garden. <laughs> I thought of this when I studied on this. Uh, Eve ruined it all when she took of the fruit. She was in the one that's deceived. She was in Rome. You said, yeah, but Adam eat it. Always go ahead and blame somebody else. We all do that. The fact is, Adam knew that he'd be separated from his wife forever. And he loved her. So he took the fruit. And the curse came. Now, if there's ever been any reason for a man, I guess, to divorce a woman, I'd say that was it. He ruined the race. Now, that's Dealsology. That's not Bible. But I'm telling you, if anybody, a man ever had a reason in my mind, not in the mind of God, it would be for a woman to ruin the whole human, human race. But that's not even in there either. Verse 6 says, Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. You look at word asunder when you get home. I'm going to take my time here. This is not preached either. I mean, I preach this here. I got a message that is listened to more than about any message I've preached on sermon audio for the last 10 years. And it is, the top number one is God hates divorce. And I preached it at this church many years ago. Anybody remember that? All right. So it's time I guess I got on it again. And it said, let not man put asunder. That word asunder means let no man split it up. Let no man stop this union. Don't let no man stop this division. God set the pattern for marriage in the beginning. Man's got every idea. Amen. I remember when divorce was one of the most terrible things. That a man or woman could do. I remember when people were talked about. I even know back in years gone by. That churches would not allow people that had been divorced. To even come to their church. Has anybody ever heard of that? I did never have agreed with it. They need the church. Everybody needs a church. But I remember when they did that. And they thought they was alright with it. They were wrong with it. But it said here, and as you're going down, they say unto him, they come back to him again, why, did, here we go, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? The way you, Lord, you know, you must have changed your mind somewhere because Moses said it's all right. You mean to tell me you're going to take what Moses said over what God said? What was in the mind of God in the beginning? Nothing to separate them. Are you with me? There's not a, I guess, a home in America now that hadn't faced that to some degree. 
And when that come to homes in America, preachers quit preaching that. Because it got to their house. But that's no reason not to preach the Word of God. You, hey, people are not understanding these things. Then say, uh, they, they say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Well, now Jesus answers him back. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. Then he said, but from the beginning it was not so. It's never been so, according to God, for divorce. And he said, well, because of the hardness of your hearts. That's what God's saying. What's he saying? He's saying because you wouldn't listen. When, and you, you're almost at the point in the place, go back and study your mind, that you're about to kill Moses. You'd come to the place you hated Moses so bad. You're just about, and for that sake, because your heart's so hard, I allowed God, uh, Moses to write a bill of divorcement. Now, do you see that tonight? I, I'm not exaggerating. Because the, did you know tonight, there's a lot of things that we do in God's uh He's not blessed it. He's not honored it. But he just let us get, and I'm not talking about getting by. We won't get by. Nobody ever gets by with God. He judges everything. But the reason judgment hadn't come on us all at one time now, it's coming. It's coming. Down the road, it's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. God is suffering us to have divorce because our hearts are so hard. Now, you see what's happened here? Uh, he said from, from the beginning it was not so. God set, the, set it up. Our public school system, which is a cult to me, amen, uh, they, they do. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody that they ought to send their kids to a public school system. I used not to feel that way. But when they're teaching them what they're teaching them today, and now they can't even, now they're trying to persuade them, if it's a boy, that to be a girl, or a girl to be a boy. Yeah. That's something the church would never teach, I would think. But yet we got preachers and pastors that won't stand against it. Yeah. Amen. Now I've put about uh, six or seven hours alone with the Lord today on this message. That's the reason I'm taking my time. I want you to get it. I'm not as up here talking to take up space. Amen. And the devil knows I was going to preach you tonight, and I guess that's the reason he... You said, how do you, how do you know he did? Amen. He walked around behind my back all day, I guess, looking at my notes. Because I certainly ain't told nobody. And uh, he, he knows it. So he kept everybody out, and now you, I'm going to rely on you to go tell the rest of them. And preach it just like I'm preaching, all right? Don't want to ask God to skin your head. So we look here tonight and we find that the Lord has laid out the pattern. If you'll go back and study something and look at this and put this in actual business tonight, I'll, get, I'll just quit when I get through, or I won't before I get through, I'll just quit when the time runs out. And I'll come back and finish it, okay? 
When the Lord made Adam, he gave him the garden. We talked about this on Sunday. And then we find that God had given him everything. God, he didn't give Adam a job. Why didn't he give him a job? He didn't need a job. Now I'm talking about before the fall. He didn't need a job. He said, I just want you to dress and keep the garden. I've often wondered what that mean. Go, go pull dead leaves off? No curse yet. That means spray the bugs? No curse. Does that mean to prop up the limbs is falling down? No. No curse. Does that mean he pulled the bad roses off the rose bush? No. I don't believe any of them wilted. Are you with me? So he makes Adam and he shows him the garden. And even Adam, he, he named all the animals. He was in a perfect environment. No man's ever lived in a perfect environment but what him and Eve lived in for a short time. Then Eve takes the fruit. Before that, though, let me mention this. When he made, when he made Eve and brought her out, and he said to Adam, this is bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. You'll be called one. No man, what God puts together, let no man put asunder. You see what I'm saying? And then he looked over them, over them and he said, uh, you know, talk to him about it. He didn't tell them uh, before, uh, right after that, the Bible said he joined them together. But before God joined them together, when Eve looked at Adam and Adam looked at Eve, God did not say, Adam, you and Eve can now go on your own out yonder somewhere and you can practice and see if you like marriage. In other words, you can shack up a while. You won't find that in the Bible. God intended for a man to walk down the aisle or come meet his wife where she meets down the aisle. And he expected a man to marry a virgin. And he expected a virgin to marry a, a man that was a virgin. That's no, well, we're already engaged and so we'll just sleep together. That's, that's wicked. Now I can preach that because I have never stepped out of line on that. My wife was a virgin. I was too. I lived 54 and a half years with her. She let run up. Somebody asked me today about that. said, uh, how's your wife? I said, she left me. I hadn't seen them in years. Good friend of mine. They said, what happened? I said, she got called to glory and left me behind. And they said, oh. And I said, I miss her. But I want to tell you, that's what God wants. He wanted a man to marry a woman that had never been with a man. And he wanted... The woman to marry a man that had never been with a woman. That's how God ordained it. But that's not what the world does now. That's been a long time past. 
So God set that up as a standard for marriage. Can you just imagine, and I know I'm preaching something tonight, of course we don't have a big crowd and that's good, we don't have young'uns, and I'd, I'd hammer down on this just a little bit. I might have backed off a little bit on this, we'd had littles. I don't want to back off on any of the Word of God, but there's just some things I won't preach from this pulpit. Not because it's bad, but because it may uh, get some... I don't want your kids going home and having you have to sit up all night trying to explain what I preached. All right? And I would. You know, this, this is one of them subjects that would happen. So I'm saying to you that... Uh, all them years back, it's important that every man decide to marry, that he marries somebody that's pure. And he has no illegitimate affair with the one that he's going to marry. And God wants the same thing on the woman's side as well. Can you imagine somebody that's slept with four or five women and then look for a virgin to marry? They do that all the time. These little girls give in, little boys give in. Listen, human flesh is weak and rotten to the core, and you can't be alone, I don't care whether you're a man or a woman, you can't be alone with the opposite sex without the flesh rising up. So therefore... That's why you chaperone your kids when they date. All right. You're not going to hang me in that, are you? I hope not. But listen, I'm trying to tell you the truth. I sit over yonder and study, and I say, Lord, what can I tell them to help them? What can I help them, or how can I instruct them in what they need in these days? Well, let's go on and look at something else. He says here, he said from the beginning, but from the beginning it was not so. In other words, from the beginning, God never intended for one divorce to ever take place. Well, here comes back. He gives us something else on behind it. He said, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, and notice what this is. And here's where a lot of people go wrong. He said, and, and except it be for fornication. What's he saying? Verse 9. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, comma, except. Now everybody jumps on that except. Because I get this throat at me all the time. Except it be for fornication. And shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now there's a lot of preaching right there, and I'm going to go back and try to break it down. The little phrase that people throw at me all the time, I'm going to handle that for you. You may not agree with me, but that's okay. Amen. They everywhere, they're like that. They don't agree. In our modern day, the little girl goes to the altar and she said, well, if I don't like him, don't work out, I'll just divorce him. When they go to the altar, that's what they're doing today. The little boy said, well, if it don't work out, I'll just leave. I'll run her off. I know some preachers right now, 
I know one preacher in this county, lots of people think a whole lot of, he's been married, he's on his fourth wife, all living. And talk to him. I'll tell you what he'll tell you. God told me to divorce him. Peter S. Ruckman in Florida, I don't know where you know anything about Ruckman, but Ruckman, they call him a genius, but he's had several, he's dead now, he's had several living wives, and he says, God told me to divorce them. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't care who you are, where you come from, and who you think you are. If you tell me God told you to do something, and it's contrary to this Bible, I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God didn't tell you. And the Word of God didn't tell you. You're on your own. Now I know I'm preaching the truth. Amen. Preaching the truth gets you run off. It will sometimes. And they don't want to hear this out yonder. They don't want to hear that in the house of God anywhere. What I'm preaching tonight is not one of those favorite subjects of a preacher. Matter of fact, it gets less preaching. Don't get much recognition. So he said, and here he said, And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife. Now he's talking about somebody putting away his wife. Except it be for fornication. Now you remember me making a statement a while ago that God wants a man to marry a virgin and God wants a woman to marry a virgin. That means they've never been together with nobody. You know what fornication is? Look it up. Fornication is sexual... Uh, you know, relations with somebody, but and it's between unmarried people. The Bible, if it wasn't, he'd have the same word. There's a difference between fornication and adultery. Now the Lord's saying here to us, He said, "Accept them." I mean, He said, "A man can't put away his wife." Except it be for fornication on him. When he marries that woman and he finds out she is not a virgin, he's got the right right then to deny that marriage. That's quiet, ain't it? How else could you have fornication if you didn't have two single people? So that means when he marries her and she's not pure, she's not a virgin or a man, either one. The only thing is, oh, it's hard to tell about a man. What bothers me is these little girls, they get accused of all this and the man's probably done the thing. And I, I say they're all guilty. And I despise these boys that run after these girls. I've, I know I've been on that side of the track. I hadn't ch chased girls. But I want to tell you this. Or some fellas, when they get, you know, at an at a age, they go around and find out how many they can sleep with. And all they're doing is ruining them little old girls for a perfect marriage. That bothers me. Don't you wish I could preach it in a schoolhouse? Reckon how far I'd done to God. Except it be for fornication. That's the only time when he finds out she has not and is not a virgin. God classifies that as a as 
like a prostitute. And God calls that sinful. And she's committed sin. I'd like to preach this on the White House steps. And then it says, uh, if he puts her away for that, he said, except for four, and shall marry another. Nonetheless, what happens if you put her away and she marries another, committeth adultery. Now it's because she's already got a husband or he's got a wife. This goes both sides. I got other scriptures to give you that. I ain't going to get there tonight. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Somebody said, well, it don't matter about the woman. Oh, it does. If anybody marries a man that's been married before, and he's got a living wife. Now, if she's dead, he's free to marry. But if he's still alive, if 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 you know, if they're not one of them is not dead, or and or both of them ain't dead, and then they commit adultery when they marry. Either woman or man. So yeah. I know some men that's married another wife, and that wife he was married to has been married before. That don't excuse him, and that didn't excuse him because he's divorced. Amen. Brother Virgil, I think you're all right to marry. <laughs> so you ladies, maybe too, I don't know why. I don't know all your schedule, but anyhow. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, now he got them all stirred up again. If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. If that's the case. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, say they to whom it is given. And now what's he saying? He's talking about the eunuchs. It don't apply to them. <laughs> Amen. You see what you're saying it for? Why did that come up? And I give you all that. I ain't going to spend the rest of the time on that. I want to go back and give you something else. Uh, and look at this. I believe you know what a, what a eunuch is. Eunuch is somebody that is either born and not able to have children for some reason. That God has done. It might have been because of sin. You know our sins. Did you know this? Our sins will carry to three or four generations. It might be because of something in the family. And it might just be a, a just something God does. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you why God lets somebody be born with a deformity. Are you going to try to explain that? I'm not. I'm not God. I don't have the mind of God. Have you ever wondered why a little baby has to go through some of the things they go through? Looks like God had put it on the parents. Well, I'm not on the level of God. I don't know why God lets anything happen. God knows what He's letting it happen for. It might be for judgment to get our attention. It might be for the glory of God. Everybody, somebody, well, so-and-so sick. Yeah, some of the sickness that we have and can have and may have had, may not have had them yet, but we may have them, is for the glory of God. 
Why does God let somebody be born blind? I know Fanny Crosby wasn't born blind, but she had drops put in her eyes and she became blind and she wrote all them songs. And I say if she probably hadn't had them drops put in her eyes and wasn't blind, she may not have wrote them songs. I don't know that. But I'm just saying that's why I, Why do some people ha, uh, have to be rolled around in a wheelchair 24-7? I don't know. I'm not going to get in. Well, I have not. I have not covered all the land and territory I wanted to cover. So that means you're going to have to ask God to put me off on another subject or ask God to help me with the rest of it. Amen. I'll assure you I've covered some ground tonight that you didn't know about. If you have, you haven't thought about it for a while. Amen. All right. Now I have to take all these little things out and mark them again when I come back. Well, I thank you for coming tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to me. The Word of God is real. I thank God for it.